This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I'm editor-at-large at Mississippi Today. March is National Women's History Month, so all month long we're going to be highlighting stories of phenomenal Mississippi women. And we're going to start this month with one of my favorites, Dr. Judy Alsobrooks Meredith. She's a retired professor, former news reporter and anchor, and wife of civil rights figure James Meredith. And really one just delightful. You're going to love this conversation. Plus, we're going to talk to her about her life and her love and her documentary, Who is James Meredith? You wouldn't believe how much she actually put into this, this documentary. It's going to be fantastic. Anyway, if you'd like to be part of the show, well, give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can drop me an email at marshall at mpbonline.org. We'll welcome her in just a second, but right now we're going to talk about the top stories in our weekly roundup. And uh, a lot of stuff going on out there, obviously, in the news. You probably uh, have heard all kinds of things. Michelle, welcome. How are you today? Good morning. Good morning. It's Monday. Yes, it is. Happy Monday. Happy and it's Monday. March. And hopefully, it's March. And it will uh, come in like, I guess, a lamb today. It's supposed to rain like three or four inches this next couple of days. I mean, the middle part days. of the state. But Mississippi, expect, I mean, we've had a lot of rain already. But, you know, March, what they say, March, uh, sp- uh, spring showers brings April flowers. When I was young, I, I used to memorize that so but now we should I have know. plenty of flowers we should have pl- we should. i see them the trees blooming the little flowers coming up in the grass people were mowing their lawns this weekend already because it's coming i know I, I cut grass for the first time over the weekend and i'm so sore i'm like i'm totally out of shape for this <laughs> it's like it's terrible and i guess it's pollen season too is kicked in so i naturally sneeze a lot when i have and of course with the coronavirus going around you know you know you sneeze and people look at you like Get away from me. They spray you in the face with Lysol. It's like, no, it's just allergies, I promise. Well, Goodness. we do have to wash our hands. We want to tell people again, be very careful. Do things that you, your parents told you to do. I'm about to say, do things when, that your mama you know, wanted you to do. Told you to do when you were young. Wash your hands. Don't, uh, don't touch. eat anything before you wash your hands. Right. Uh, you know how uh, my mom and dad used to say, don't be in it's someone's face. You know, get out of people's faces when they're, you know, talking or just um, bodily liquids. Right. And, and stuff if like people that. are sick, I mean, seriously, stay home. It, I mean, you may not have the sick days, work with that. But at this point, and people are like, well, I don't understand why this is such a serious issue. And and, and I'm going to be terribly sober with you for a half second. This isn't to scare you. Believe me, we have no room for that right now. It's really nothing. I mean, there are things to be worried about in the sense that we need to prepare. Mm-hmm. And like Michelle said, washing your hands is huge because that right there will help slow down the spread of the coronavirus or COVID-19, as it's called. Okay. Why that's important is because, as we've seen now, 20 percent of the people that get this disease and believe me, Southern Remedy is going to be all over this. So I'm not I'm just telling you what what I've read and what I've read from the experts. But there's going to be a chunk of people that get this disease that end up having to go to the hospital that are not going to be well. And it's generally people that are older, like me, and a little bit older, and people that have underlying conditions. And it causes pneumonia. And when that happens, they're going to need to be probably on a ventilator. Well, what happens is if this thing spreads real rapidly, and it is spreading kind of like a common cold, it's pretty, pretty catchy. 
then you're going to have a lot of people end up having to go to the hospital all at once. And we have a lot of great people in this state that work in hospitals and work in healthcare, And we want them to be able to handle the influx of people coming in. And it is starting to spread around the country. So that it is an issue and it is something we need to be taking seriously. Does that mean you need to panic? No. If it does come to a point where your kids have to stay home or you have to stay home, just make sure you have a little bit of food in your house so that you're good. So you don't have to go run to the grocery store when everybody's going to have to go run to the grocery store. But Michelle touched on it. The main thing is don't touch your face, which, by the way, is the hardest thing on the planet to do. It is harder than calculus because I tell you what, every time somebody says don't touch your face, my face itches and I want to touch my face. But that's how the virus gets in you is through your nose and through your eyes and through your mouth. So if you put your fingers in your mouth or your nose, don't pick your nose, which your mother probably told you not to do anyway. That's how it gets in. So there are little things that we can do that help slow this down that will help our friends in medical care take good care of us. And that's what we want to do. But there's no sense to panic and there's no sense like that. So um, but, yeah, it's it's tough when you start seeing every day on the news. Well, there's there's a case here. There's a case there. Well, you know, you just have to take it like, okay, it's life. It is. Speaking of life, uh, March, we mentioned it at the beginning of the show. March is National Women's History Month. And, of course, all month long, we're going to shed light on Mississippi women uh, doing phenomenal things. Um, Here's a great little tidbit of information, if you didn't know. Uh, Mississippi University of Women in Columbus, Mississippi, was the first state college for women in the country. And it was established in 1884. Wow. Yay, go Something women. to be proud of. And I know uh, our guest today um, is in, she's been a, she's an advocate for education, especially women in, in education. And I met her actually in the education arena. She's looking like, what? I met her at yeah. WJSU um, on the campus of Jackson State University. And I just remember her being my icon. I just wanted to let her know that she was my icon. She was a person that I've always looked up to, um, a person that I've always admired, and secretively, I wanted to be like her. <laughs> See, she didn't have her headphones on, so no. she missed that whole... Oh, she's going to hear She she's heard all hear the nice the things she was saying about you. And... Well, well, nice things well what I, I was know. saying was that um, when I was younger, I might... I still do, but when I was younger, I mean elementary school being at the radio station right. i used to look up to you so much oh i used to run goodness. down remember when the tv 23 oh, first came on campus sure. and i used to run from our side oh. at jsu and run down there and i remember talking to you in your office do you remember that i used oh, to of course come I do. down there and i used to interview you in in junior high school like <laughs> just uh, it's funny how I'm, years later now i'm actually interviewing you but i talked to you i was so um astonished by you and what you did and what oh, you were doing thank then you so much and i've always admired you i was telling you you telling um the listeners that you are my icon so. but you know the biggest compliment that i could ever have is to see students former students like you doing so well oh my god i am so proud of you thank you don't make me tear up so, oh, I am so <laughs> but you you know you are telling people how old I oh am. no but look i didn't tell my age so i won't tell your age okay. as well but uh again i just wanted to bring you on the show today 
to talk about you and find mm-hmm. out who you are behind mm-hmm. James Meredith. I know there's a strong <laughs> woman that, of course, has to be extra strong to well, <laughs> be married he, to yeah, him. Yeah, he thinks so. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, want, I just want everyone to know who you are and just how wonderful well, thank you Thank you so much really for the are. invitation. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. And again, like I said, all month long, we're shedding light on phenomenal Mississippi women, and you mm-hmm. are one of them. Well, thank you so much. Oh, she's just one of my favorite people, and I'm just glad that you came in today. And, of course, it's like I know this is going to be an easy hour because, frankly, it's always nice to have a trained professional in the room. Oh, my God. (laughs) Man, you are the bomb. I mean, you are something. Well, no, no, no. I don't want want anything now. Oh, my goodness. I don't. Honestly, a compliment. And, of course, you know, we got to to interview James back a couple years ago, too, and that was a lot of fun, too. But I can't wait to talk about this. And I guess we'll start from the very beginning here in just a second. Okay. That's very cool. All right. Well, it's time for us to take our first break, and when we return, we're going to welcome our guest, retired professor, former news reporter, and anchor, and as you've heard, awesome human being. She's wife of civil rights figure James Meredith, Dr. Judy Alsobrook Meredith. So she'll be joining us just a second. So stay tuned. This is now you're talking on MPB Think Radio. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Each week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. You're listening now. You're talking on MPB Think Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey of Mississippi Today. March is National Women's History Month, and what a better way to start this month off than with a beautiful, amazing, talented, and incredible Dr. Juicy, Juicy, (laughs) Dr. Jackania. That's probably getting the compliments a little too far there. I apologize, Dr. Judy. Also, Brooks Meredith, a retired professor, former news reporter, and former friend after that, until I made that comment. So, absolutely. Judy, good to see you. Gosh, Welcome, to see you too, welcome Marshall. back. I was trying to think when you were last year. Oh, I think it was 2016. Yeah, it's been a few years. Uh, back when That's, life was calmer and slower and and healthier and healthier. I know. Don't <laughs> sneeze. That'd be bad. Ah, <sighs> goodness, you've been busy though since then. Good grief. A little bit. Yeah. Tell yeah. us. Tell us a little bit. I guess I was trying to think before we get started about the the documentary and that you directed. Um, let's just go ahead and tell a little bit about yourself because I mean oh, we were okay. just I, I mentioned a little bit about. Where you're from? You're originally from Gary, Indiana, yeah. which is up kind of near Chicago on oh, the northern yeah. corner of Suburban, Indiana. It's really cold. It's very cold there. Very cold. Lots of snow at times. Lots of snow. Yeah. Lots of famous people from Gary, Indiana. Yeah. Believe it or not, yeah. the Jacksons were yeah. from there. Jacksons actually, I grew up about three doors from them. No way. My aunt uh, lived on that on that block, 
and were not only very good friends of the Jacksons, but her son, my first cousin, married Joseph Jackson's sister. Really? Yeah, and and I remember Reby, Reby well, her name is Maureen, yeah. but uh, we called her Reby. And I took Spanish one year, uh, and it was the last class of the day. And so she and I used to walk home from school together. I would get to my aunt's house first, and then she, of course, they were on the corner. Yeah. And their brother, um, Jackie Boy, is what we called him, he played baseball. The baseball field, Little League baseball field, was right there, Mm -hmm. right behind their home. My uncle and my aunt actually ran and managed that uh, Little League baseball field. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was pretty cool. And uh, used to hear them practicing because they would light up, the, obviously, the whole community. Yeah, I could imagine. Practicing. Um, and, yeah, jo- Joseph was a, a very strict father, um, beautiful mother. Yeah. Oh, my God. She so was, Janet comes by it naturally. Janet comes by it. Well, all of them. They all, yeah, they're, that's they're a good-looking family. Oh, they yeah. really are a good-looking family. And so much so, talent, too. So Incredible. much talent. Talent. Gary had a lot of talent. You yeah. Know? I mean, it was just yeah. not only the Jacksons, but just an awful lot of, of talent. So I'm the daughter of uh, some migrants during the Great Migration of blacks from the Deep South, from the South period. Yeah. They were from East Texas, which is in this region. Right. And so they moved up to Chicago. And it really didn't work out too well. Those Chicago folks didn't want all these black folks coming up there either. Yeah. But anyway, they they wound up moving to Gary, as did a number of uh, people, got into the steel mill, uh, you know, uh, arena. Uh, my father worked there. My mother was a piano teacher. Uh, who started me off when I was just two years old playing oh, the piano, wow. and so it, Gary was really. It's not. It was. It's not. It wasn't like it is today. Yeah, today it's kind of. It's, 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 it's pretty out there. It's pretty bad. Yeah. it's depressing. Really. Yeah, it literally the the center core of the city just kind of it, died. It it died um, right when we had our first black mayor, Mayor Hatcher. Yeah. And actually, I was leaving Gary as a freshman in college in Missouri, Lincoln University in uh, Missouri. And it just went down. All the white people moved out of Gary, took all the businesses and built up a town just south of Gary called Merrillville. Okay. And so now, of course... Our black people, our people have have moved to Maryville too. Right, that's right. That it's because it's you know you had Wi-Fi, and then you had tax-based flight. Exactly, um, and, and so there was no money it, left. It, it was no money, so therefore the drug scene came in. Yeah, folks did what they had to do. You know, so. and it's heartbreaking. I know. It's, yeah, yeah, it's depressing to yeah. go back. We got Ray Lonnie's actually on the line. Has a question for you from Hattiesburg. Hey, welcome to the show. I wanted to say to Mrs. Meredith. That Elaine Armstrong and I were the first to to enroll at the University of Southern Mississippi in Hattiesburg. Yes, in 1965. Okay, and I I I went thinking about how horrible it had been for James up at I believe Ole Miss. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now the people who are still living and who was there that that those times where people died and you had to call in the army. Right. We didn't have that situation right. at the university. Of course, it was years, uh, a few years later. Sure. But do you think people have changed uh, or just tolerating? 
That's a good question. You know, you hope, and I and I do think that some people have changed. And and people come to James, they shake his hand, even give him a hug, and say, you know. And in fact, I remember the first time I heard somebody say, James, I was your classmate, mm-hmm. and James said, "You are." He said, "Nobody <laughs> has ever said that to me before." And so, yeah, things have changed. Uh, I show that in in my documentary that I did on him. It's a little short documentary, but I think so. And there's still this undercurrent of of toleration, I guess, you know, Mm -hmm. just tolerating Mm -hmm. each other and and what have you. And beyond which, I want to tell a little thing about myself. It may not be well taken, but... When I would go, I've been in Mississippi now. James and I married almost 40 years ago, but we've lived other places and came back. And I started noticing some things when I would go to the grocery store. Now, mind you, this is the friendliest, nicest place I have ever lived. But mm-hmm. there were little subtle things I would notice. Like if I if I were going down a uh, lane in the in the grocery store or the mall, and there was like a group of white women mm-hmm. that would mm-hmm. come toward me, and we would get ready to pass each other. When I first started noticing this was probably about ten years ago, and they would never move. So I was always the one that had to step out mm-hmm. of my lane to I move understand. over. And so I I tested it out before. And in fact, this is the first time I've said this publicly. Mm-hmm. Yay. <laughs> Yay, Marshall. <laughs> but anyway, I started noticing that. So it's it's little things like that. So what Judy did, I did, you know, like they said, I'm a pretty tough cookie myself. And so what I started doing was making sure that I wouldn't move. So there would be this contest when we would get about a foot from each other, and look, oh girlfriend here, I would not, I refuse to move. And so, you know, they, and honestly, they did not know that they were doing it. They really okay. didn't. I don't believe okay. they did. Yeah. They didn't look at me and say, and even think, this is a black woman, she's, not, she's supposed to move over anyway. Uh-huh. No, they didn't think that. It was, it's the culture it's it's inbred. It's, it's inbred. It's, it, it, exactly. So you mm-hmm. do. It's like breathing. You know. Yeah. It's just natural. But no, I kind of broke that up. You know, personally with myself. Mm-hmm. And so no, I don't move out of the way. Just anymore. knowing you, that doesn't well, surprise it go, me. It goes to show we always we're still fighting. People oh, say, absolutely. "Oh, that was back in the civil rights time." No, we haven't finished the civil rights time, and it began when the first foot walked off the boat. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, so and, and, I, and I uh, would love to have you come as a speaker. Maybe next year, we, uh, oh. Dr. Gilbert Mason's children are going to speak this year okay. for the Armstrong Branch lecture, yeah. which will be the tenth of March. And I'm sure hoping we have it again in March. February is always weepy and wet and cold and damp, and uh, March, I think it's going to be better. I would love to come. Uh, If the good Lord still has me here on Earth, I would love to come. I will get in touch with you. Okay. And uh, have the school get in touch with you. Hey, Ray Lonnie, just um, just yes. stay on the line after after you get ready to hang up, and Michelle will get you the number and the contact information. Thank you. Okay. 
Very good. Well, thank you for the call. Have a good day. I Love the program, and I'm a sustainer. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, really that, at the end of the day, that's the way you handle that. You just say, you know, you just kind of stiffen your spine a little yeah. bit and just keep walking. And, no, you know, you just keep walking. I mean, that's what you do. I mean, that's what James Meredith did when he... Got to Ole Miss, he kept on walking. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Just <laughs> of course, he least. had 30,000 troops there. <laughs> <laughs> that tends to help a little bit, I suppose. But I don't, you know, like I said, what, what he did. And, of course, interviewing him that day when last time I guess we were here was 2016. That's hard to believe it's been that mm-hmm. long now. Okay. And it, it's like I don't know I don't know if a Navy SEAL could have handled the mental part of what he did over that year. It that was, was a very difficult. It was, it was incredible. You know, I, I, and I can't think of his name, but the lieutenant that was in charge of, of uh, his details, yeah. security. You know, you see a lot of these pictures where James appears to be by himself. This yeah. is after the two, you know, the Kennedy uh, and uh, the two brother Kennedys, the yeah. attorney general and president's two fellas that were always in suits. But after that, you would see pictures. You see pictures of James and video of him walking alone, as though he's alone on yeah. camp. He was not alone, right. from what I understand. What the lieutenant told me, there were snipers oh, wow. there on the buildings. You know, there there were people around him that made sure. So one day, the lieutenant, because they had to read all his mail, so the lieutenant, you know, was thumbing through his along with James mm-hmm. with with the mail that was being sent to him. And he said, James, these people going to kill you. <laughs> and so James looked at him. He said, James looked at him and said, Lieutenant, are you finished? Because you're making me late for class. Oh, wow. So there you have but it. But that's, a, I mean, what a good way to handle fear, though. He knew James, you know, people like him, uh, Megger and, Dr. King and a whole bunch of people. I think this is this is just an inborn. This is a mission yeah. that they have when they're born. I mean, I think that's one reason God puts them here. And the lady was talking about uh, uh, Southern Miss being integrated. Um, I got my Ph.D. from Mississippi State, and it took several years after uh, James enrolled. But because of him... We can go to any school. People of color come from all across the world now to attend Mississippi schools. Right. You know, that's incredible. And quite frankly, it wasn't wasn't too nice in the North either because they had a quota system a lot of people don't know about. So, therefore, they could say they were integrated, you know, that people of color were attending their school. But they couldn't let too many in right? at one time. So the country has come a long way um, in terms of, of, of education. But, you know, you, you get really concerned about the public school systems now and the poverty in Mississippi. Right. Is, and, and then, you know, just because the economic situation ends up causing it to resegregate. Exactly. You know, and that's that's tough. Yeah. And, you know, the bottom line is, I think if you and I can have this conversation, then that's healthy. It's healthy, but not everybody. Some people feel real. Uneasy. Oh, they don't want to bring up the past. Yeah, they, they feel real, you know, very uneasy. I've had uh, conversations with with others, you know, other. Uh, oh, I feel uneasy because I called you juicy earlier. Oh, no. I mean, I mean, I'm just totally. <laughs> no, that's OK. <laughs> 
<laughs> you yeah. aren't the first yeah. that, that did that. But anyway, um, just they are people that I, th- I, women that I thought I was very close to. Right. Are very uneasy about, I'm, I'm talking about my white friends. Yeah. Very uneasy about talking about. And it's amazing that in Mississippi, I think it's so easy to ignore what's happening the poverty in 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 up in the rural up in rural mississippi in the delta and and elsewhere and in, in the homeless here in jackson um how can you ignore that it's tough it's tough cuz sometimes you just literally drive from your house to your office and you start tuning stuff out yeah it is you know and and you're I just think, like you're, I, I think that's our new fight yeah definitely definitely on that right. You were Gary, Indiana. Of course, you got into the to, to the media business. Was that something as a little girl you thought this would be no, really cool? It okay. wasn't. I was a music teacher, public school music teacher. Really? Yeah. What'd I you have, teach? Uh, just music. I mean, piano or just yeah, music, a, music in general? Okay. From, yeah, okay. from kindergarten through okay. uh, junior high school. Oh wow! Right, and so um, I didn't like all the songs in the books, so I would arrange my own. You know, yeah. Uh, we, you know my own songs, mm-hmm. you know, and change uh, some things up. Um, I started, my mother started, well, they bought a piano for me when I was two years old. And when I, I, re, I do recall when I went to kindergarten, I was actually reading music. My feet did not touch the pedals, obviously, <laughs> at six years old. Yeah. And, um, but I actually could, could play with both hands. And so my kindergarten teacher had me playing for the little class songs, because they used to have the kindergarten, the piano in the kindergarten teacher's room. You know, then when when you advanced to first grade, you got to go to the music room. And so I used to play the songs for the kids to sing. Then when I get, was in the fourth grade, I uh, went to Catholic school for a while. Wow. So I played their pipe organ for mass every morning, for you know, yeah. before class. And my my Methodist. They don't just let anybody play on the pipe organ now. No, 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 that's big stuff. That was for mass, right? And so around the corner was my Methodist uh, church, Mm -hmm. and so sometimes some, you know, I would have to walk around the corner in the afternoons or evenings, early evenings, and you know, attend something at that church where I played uh, there as well. So I was the pianist uh, at that church. Nice for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Great. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, We're going to continue talking to Dr. Judy Alsobrooks Meredith. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. All right, good morning. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, and today our guest is Dr. Juicy. I did it again. Judy Alsobrook Meredith, it, wife of civil rights icon James Meredith. This is not something subliminal. <laughs> this is mean having a tough mo- Monday morning there. Judy, I apologize. That's okay. Profusely. Uh, you know, you've, you've had a storied life. You've had a storied career. 
you've been married to James for 40 years. Yeah, and congratulations on that, by the way. Yeah, I mean, you got that right. Yeah, marriage is not easy now. <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I'm on the 26th, I think, year, so I understand. I'm coming up on 27. Right. Um, but y'all seem to be a great team. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you really do. Yeah, I and, think so. And um, it's fun watching you together. I mean, there's, oh, a, great, there's a great dynamic there. It's really right. fun to watch. How did you guys meet? We met in Gary, Indiana. No. All great <laughs> things come from Gary, right? Yeah. So I was uh, I was teaching in Maywood, Illinois at the time, but it was around Christmas time. And James and I met. He came unexpectedly to a mutual friend's home yeah. where I was visiting um, and uh, met me that way. Okay. Met. And did you hit it off right away? Apparently so, because he drove back to Mississippi and started calling me, and we would talk all night long. Really? Okay, I'm not going to get too personal, but what'd you talk about? You know what? I don't even remember. Really? <laughs> Must have been good. Yeah, I don't even remember. So two and a half months later, we we got married. Two and a half months? In Gary, right. In Gary. So he came back up, and he said, he okay. Came, he came back up. I finished the school year out uh, in Maywood, and then we... Um, then I moved to Mississippi. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when you when you first met him, did you think, oh, there's James Meredith, he's famous, or there's a really nice guy? Yeah. Well, I be honest with you, I remember his whole story. Yeah. I remember his story better than I did anybody else's, yeah. including Dr. King. I knew about, I remembered him being shot. I remembered the old Miss thing. My parents would not talk about race with me. We were in... We were in Gary, so I don't know if the culture, I don't know, really don't have an answer for that, why right. that was. But we didn't, and uh, but they what they would do is turn on the television. Yeah. So nightly news, whatever they called it back then, CBS was the big thing then. Dan Rather was on, actually on campus as a correspondent on Ole Miss's campus when this was going down, you know, in 62. And that's how my, mo- my mother and father would introduce me to what was happening around the world. And I can remember our church praying for him. Wow. I can remember um, my dad turning on the television and saying, well, let's see if James Meredith made it through today. You know, that type of thing. So his story was profound. Were your parents still around when y'all got married? I mean, were they no. still? Oh, okay. Cause that my been... dad was. Oh, really? Yeah, my what, dad what were was. his thoughts? When well, he, he was just kind of in awe. Yeah. You know, but he lived in Texas. He was, um, you know, had been injured uh, with a gunshot uh, wound to his head. And wow. So, yeah, he was he was rather incapacitated, but yeah. it didn't affect his thinking. Sure. And, and, and not even his speech, really. And you, got, you guys have blended. I mean, you have five children, 11 grandchildren. I mean, you've right. got a nice blended family. Nice blended family. Right. Some good kids. Oh, they, I think so. I think so. We, we've been very lucky about that. Very blessed. Do you have and some challenges? With the children? No, just in, in general. I mean, what's some of the life's things thrown at you? Mm. Oh. Well, I think the, 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 the gender gap. The, yeah. I think that's been the, my biggest. It's really? not having anything to do with race. But I think that, uh, you know, this is... Women's History Month, and, you know, just knowing that women in general in Mississippi only get paid 70, yeah. uh, 75 cents per dollar of, of a man. Well, of course, black women get less than that. Right. And so, you, you know, you got 
the mortality rate of black women. Breast cancer All rates, of that, everything. You know? yeah. And so, yeah. So my biggest thing when I was working, thank God, praise the Lord, I am retired. Yeah, we we, we need to bring that up, too. (laughs) You retired young. No, I didn't. Well, the thing is about you being (laughs) retired just means that you just slowed it down to nine instead of ten. You're still going 100 miles an hour. Yeah, we're still pretty busy. You're still pretty busy on that. But so just generally, but that's the thing. I mean, you're just such a strong person, and he's such a strong person, but y'all seem to work. It seems to work, and yeah. sometimes that doesn't. Sometimes yeah. it's like headbutting. No, it really isn't, and he he came to learn pretty quick, uh, you know, that I was pretty tough. Yeah. Now, Dr. Uh, also, Brooks, I have some questions. Yes, ma'am. Because you skimmed over, and it, as a woman, you know, I have these questions to ask. Okay. Okay, this meeting, this haphazard meeting at this uh, friend's <laughs> house in, in Gary. Right. Did you know he was going to be there? Number one no. question. No. So you went to your friend's house. Went to a friend's house. It was December the 26th, wow. day after Christmas. And um, this was my best girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And her husband's home in Gary. And uh, just, I was in the kitchen with her, with with my girlfriend. And uh, there was this ring on the door, door ring. Mm -hmm. And and her husband, Tommy, and they are also from Mississippi, by the way, originally. Mm -hmm. But anyway, he went to the door and said, James Meredith, I got a single woman in here I want you to meet. No. Yes. So let me ask you a question. We got to talk about this because I didn't really want (laughs) to pick your brain. What was your feeling at first? And because you told us the story about watching him on the news, actually right. following his story, yeah. uh, you guys talked about it a little bit. You saw uh, your dad coming home saying, I wonder, did he make it through this day? Right. Now, your first meeting, meeting the man you've seen on the news, you right. saw on television, right. and you actually admired his strength. Oh, of course. Meeting him in haphazardly at your friend's house. Right. The day after Christmas. Right. What were your first thoughts? What well, first feelings? of all, I was pretty ticked off with Tommy for saying, I got a single woman in here I want <laughs> you to meet. Oh so God. I blushed, you yeah. know, and and uh, he came in and just, you know, very uh, laid back mm-hmm. personality for the most part. Were you interested? Um, I know some people say love at first sight, but were you interested in, uh, or did you even Imagine that this no. would be my husband. No, and, you know, I didn't ever. No, I didn't. Wow. I did not. I didn't even think about it. I just met him. In fact, he was on his way to a um, a funeral mm-hmm. in South Bend, Indiana, which I don't know. It's about an hour and a half drive. Yeah, it's where Notre Dame is. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly. So he was on his way, but nobody ever knows when James is coming. He right. doesn't call in advance. <laughs> yeah. So they didn't even know. Okay. So I didn't know. So Tommy. His buddy jumps in the car with him, and they drive to South Bend. He hates, James hates for me to tell this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Tell it, tell it. (laughs) So anyway, he said, Tommy told me later, you know, many years later, he said, Judy, we got to South Bend. He parked the car, went into the church, and looked down the aisle, saw the, you know, the body, the casket, you know, there. And he looked at Tommy and said, Tommy, man, Ain't nothing I could do for him. He's gone. He did. Get me back to your house before that woman leaves. Ooh, oh, wow. That is a beautiful story. <laughs> well, that's nice to, to, to know that he oh chose you over a corpse. That's yeah. important. <laughs> yeah. You're right. You know, that's a good point. You know, that would be a good greeting card. Yeah. <laughs> 
Now, Miss Judy, let me ask you a question again about uh, your meeting and your haphazard meeting. That was so interesting how that happened. And again, fast forward, you guys got married two months later. Right. What was it about James that made you say yes? Just um, different. You know, he was different than than anybody I had ever met. And I liked his, uh, he was very businesslike in terms of, and very, he was a gentleman. Mm. And that's what I really liked, you know. Very important. Yeah, yeah he really is. He, he, yeah. He, and to this day, he, I mean, even in the house, if we're walking out, of, out the kitchen at the same time, I mean, this is 100% of the time. He waits until, and he could have a plate full of stuff. He waits until I pass in front of him. After 40 years. After, yeah, yeah, still, which to is this inc- day. Yeah, that's wonderful. To this day. And yeah. he does that for all women, not yeah. just me. Mm-hmm. You know, well, you trained him right. No, his mother. His mother did, yeah. Miss Roxy. Yeah. Yeah, she didn't play here. No. <laughs> what were some things that you learned from him? Uh, 40 years in marriage, and I know we're going to talk about the documentary in a little bit, but before the documentary, what were some important things that he actually taught you? Because like you said, the uh, generation gap and the age gap, mm-hmm. was that a factor, of course, before you said yes, or going into the marriage? No, never. Never. It never was. Um, he teased me and said, you the, you, you're the oldest Woman I ever dated. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. No, he didn't. <laughs> so I, bet he I, I told James, <laughs> I just remember, however old you get or I get, you'll always oh, be 16 years older than me. <laughs> and you reminded that daily, right? <laughs> I didn't look. Didn't have to bring it up anymore. That's awesome. Wow. So y'all moved, you, where did you, did you move to after you got married? We moved to um, Cincinnati for... Okay. Either five or six years. What was years. in Cincinnati? Well, he he was a visiting scholar or professor at uh, University of Cincinnati. Okay. And I worked uh, with Jerry Springer, believe it or not. No. No, 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 no. no. Okay. <laughs> now you got to tell us more. Uh, at WLWT. Yes. Uh, I was the morning anchor. He was the evening anchor. So when did TV. you get into media at this point? Were you doing media at this point? No, or? I started at WAPT in, in Jackson. I actually did a, an internship at WJTV. Um, got a master's from from Jackson State Yes. Uh, in communication. Mm-hmm. And then um, was able to go to uh, JTV and put together a, a resume tape. You know, and then took it over. APT had a had a uh, job opening. Yeah, went over there, got that as a as a re- reporter, and was able to do that. Became the weekend anchor there, and then no sooner than I than that, James and I decided to move to Cincinnati, and he got this offer as a visiting professor. Mm-hmm. And so when we went up there to look around, I just started. I just took my tapes and took them to the different uh, TV stations. And got called right away, you know. They didn't even know what I didn't even put on there what hotel where we were staying, and uh, somebody found me from WLWT and said, "Lady, we've been looking all over for you." So they Aww. looked at the tape, and they hired me, and so um, that was my second job, and it was very enjoyable, very enjoyable. Just good people and good. Cincinnati, yeah. but yeah, that's a nice town. It, 
it's, surprisingly. It's a nice time, but it is not as friendly as Mississippi. Oh, no. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah. They're kind of yeah. cold. Yeah, it's it's, it's a Midwestern. Yeah, warm. you know, that flavor up there is not as, I guess, cold like the weather. Jerry you know? Springer, what was he oh, like? Oh, just, just what, do you, what you see is what you get. Yeah. What you see is what you get. Just he and I became really good buddies. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, um, really good buddies. And he he was funny, and he would walk around the newsroom. That You know, we could smoke back then. He would walk around the newsroom, though, with a cigar hanging out of his mouth. Oh, that's funny. But it wouldn't be lit. He never yeah. lit it. He just, you know, would have it. You know, I don't know if that would would help his nerves, you know, before a show or whatever. But he was good people. Really good heart. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, that's kind of nice to hear. You yeah. always like to hear famous oh, people are actually yeah. decent human beings. He so. is. Kind of yeah. like you. Oh, thanks. Yeah, there you go. I'm not famous, though. Well, you are now. <laughs> so, all right, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll continue speaking with Dr. Judy, also Brooks Meredith. This is Now You're Talking on MPV Think Radio. I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing the leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Good morning. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Today, I hope you've enjoyed the show. It's been a great show so far. We've got Dr. Judy also Brooks Meredith. He's the wife of civil rights icon James Meredith and also uh, produced and, gosh, did a little bit of everything on a documentary uh, about James Meredith. And I, and I right. think this would be a great time to talk about okay. that documentary, which, mm-hmm. you know, every time you were telling me all the different things that you did to do this, it just shows me how incredibly talented you oh, are. Thank you. So, what I mean... Okay, first, tell us a little bit about the documentary. I mean, I think okay. we kind of have an idea what it might be about, but and talk about, you know, how you decided to do it. I decided to do the documentary after James, because I had promised him some years ago. Yeah. Obviously, I was in television for a number of years and then went to Jackson State and taught it right. for a number of years. Um, so, so why not you, if right, anybody, right? Right, exactly. So, you know, one day he said, you know, if you're going to do this thing, go on and do, and do it. So it's actually a short document. It's only 30 minutes long. Right. But what I decided to do is to allow James to talk. And so I know that it's better, you know, just knowing knowing people's a person's nature, right. including him. You you stiffen up when you when when you see that camera on. And right. So my thing, even as a reporter, has always been to make people as comfortable as possible. So what I did was I decided to do a, a, a piece with him talking to other people oh, that's in good, conversation. Yeah, that's brilliant. With other people. So the the first part of it shows him with his brother, his mm-hmm. younger brother, and his older sister at the kitchen table. And they're just chatting, and they're talking about, and you never hear James Meredith talking this way about Ole Miss, this comfortable. They're, every time I've seen documentaries with him included, it's always the same sound bites. I can tell you, I mean, from interviewing him, it's it's tough because yeah. it's like you don't want to ask, because if, if you ask the wrong question or one that probably is not worthy, I mean, he just obviously <laughs> is going to bristle up on you. But that is so natural, having him 
right. being able to talk right. to people that he loves and trusts. Exactly. And so he'll open up. So they, they it starts off with them kind of laughing. You don't know what they're laughing about. But anyway, they're talking about Ole Miss. And, right. and his brother is telling a story about how uh, they would take the black troops and instead of having them there with the white troops, they put them out in the town picking up garbage. Yeah. And so James got, and I remember that story. I remember that from way back. So he kind of protested that, of course he would. And they made them put those black troops back. So they're talking about that. How about I found some old video of some black troops in the line with their guns marching, you know. Um, So it wasn't, they didn't only talk about that. They talked about James teased and talked about how he tricked uh, the Kennedy brothers, the federal government, far worse than he did Mississippi <laughs> in, in, this, in this process. And so, you know, it, it goes into that. But I also was able to get the Kennedy kids came to Mississippi, grandchildren. Yeah. Bobby Kennedy's grandchildren came to Mississippi, Ole Miss, and they wanted to meet James. So I took that opportunity to do a conversation with them just talking to him. Oh, that's wonderful. No interviews, just simply a conversation with uh with James. And so those two stories about him and then it goes back to the Meredith March against fear in 66 yeah. when he was shot. Right. And um so it goes back to his sister talking about that mm-hmm. and how all you could do is just pray that he would be all right, you know. And, and of course, I do the narration, mm-hmm. so it goes into that, to telling that story. Those two events in Mississippi, two humongous events in Mississippi is what I covered in that documentary. You presented it at the two museums at the History is Lunch series in October. Right. Where else? And I know you've been doing some touring with it. How else can people right. see the documentary? Well, I did uh, Biloxi, mm-hmm. and I actually won a, an award there. Well, congratulations. It, thank you. It screened in, in Atlanta. It screened in um, Los Angeles, uh, San Diego. And, oh, I won an, an award in uh, Fort Worth. Ah. So it's been around, and I think hopefully I can do this at my alma mater, uh, Mississippi State, pretty soon. So we'll see. Yeah. How can and folks, are eventually you going to try to stream it? or I try think to, so. Yeah. I haven't gotten to James asked me that every other day, too. Okay. So what you going to do next? That's a guy thing. <laughs> you know, just. He told me I, I needed to do part two, three, four. Because I didn't cover enough of him. Tell us about the music, because you actually had a part in the music, too. I I, um, actually uh, did the music. I would go to, I have a digital piano at home, and so I, for background music. Yeah. So I did some blues, um, and I did, you know, for one of the parts, and then some church music to cover. Yeah. And I took it from that to the computer, to my computer, and I added some instrumentation and with the with the hymns the 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 uh christian religious music then i added humming so it sound like voices humming but the very last song that i'm proud to say is by nathaniel best who is a former oj he was part of that part of that group he he's a three-time grammy winner with them and uh, a very dear friend of ours now. And so anyway, he did uh, a song called Make Us One. Okay. 
Oh. And you actually can see that on um, on YouTube now. Yeah. And it has in parentheses behind it, America. So make us one, America. Very cool. What, what was James's reaction to it? Did he like it? He liked it, you yeah. know. He, he he liked it. He he wanted to make sure that people understood that that uh, Mr. Best understood though when you say make us one that he he's still primarily concerned about uh, helping his black people. <laughs> You're he, not surprised. He'll are be you? honest to the end. <laughs> yeah. He'll be honest to the end. He's not gonna mess around. <laughs> What's next for you? Are you going to be writing a book or anytime soon? Because I'd love, love to read it. Because, I mean, yeah, I feel like okay. we've got a small taste here today. Yeah, you know, memoirs. You've had an interesting point, life. I have. I, I really have. So it's been, it's, God has been good. Do you I'll have a website or anything for the documentary? I, I don't. <gasps> what? I know. I should do that. That's okay. I know. Well, maybe I'll go home and do that now. Okay. See, there you go. <laughs> that's That's your goal for the day. Anything that we haven't really touched on today, because like I said, I mean, you know, you're retired now, but you sound like you're as busy as ever. But you, you've just had a really interesting life and career yeah. where you've been able to, and, and the teaching part of it's been fantastic, yeah, too. Because like you said, with Michelle, it's yeah. so neat to actually be able to run I in and encounter students. I am most proud of my students. I went into teaching. Actually, the reason I got out of you asked me a question I really didn't answer. I got out of teaching music and got into media because I couldn't stand hearing the songs over and over and over again <laughs> yeah. with the little kindergartners yeah. and the first graders. Any kid, anybody who has a kid me, who plays it. It was driving yeah. me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Drive I nuts. said, no, I got to do something better than this. And because I was a news hound, yeah. one of my girlfriends, I was on the phone with her, and she said, Judy, why don't you try try that? I mean, you you watch news all the day, all day and, you know, every day, and why don't you try doing that? I, believe, I was a pretty good writer. So I said, oh, that's a thought. That's how I got into it. Decided to go and get a master's in communications. And, and the yeah. rest is history. And the rest is history. Like I said, that all, all, it all worked up to the point where you're like, well, we need to do a documentary. Oh, by the way, I can write the music. I can do <laughs> I mean, you, you were jack of all trades at this yeah, point. Yeah, so. so, yeah, and also edited it. You should have just gotten the Jacksons to jump in on it and have been Wouldn't perfect. Wouldn't have been wonderful. I haven't talked to them or Reby or anybody in a long time. Oh. Well, I'm glad you talked to us today. Thank you. This was Thank wonderful. Thank you for having me. Oh, as I say, my pleasure. So okay. it's been great. Well, that'll wrap us up for today. Thank you for joining us and thank our guest, the phenomenal Judy Alsobrooks Meredith, for sharing her story with us today. If you'd like to hear the show again or past episodes, download our MPB public media app and listen to our podcast. Now You're Talking is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is produced by Michelle McAdoo. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fits coming up with Dr. Josie Bidwell. And join us every Monday at 10 for Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Y'all have an awesome week. <laughs>